48 Hour Art Check. Best of Podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at CoreyKerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is automation and how that may affect creativity and the job force and what you should do about it. So yeah. um, I think we can take this from a number of different angles, but let me let me set this up real quick. So basically, what's happening right now is you've got Boston uh, Boston Dynamics. You've got you've got a bunch of a bunch of people out there all over the place, engineers that are trying to automate as much as they possibly can. It's happening on two fronts. One, it's happening in robotics, and the other, it's happening in software. And so artificial intelligence is is getting better and better and better, um, or let's say that it's improving and getting more efficient. Uh, whether that's better or not is, is up for a debate. Um, but they are doing interesting things like um, taking AI and pitting it against other AI, and one AI is trained to deceive, and the other AI is trained to try to figure things out. And so you have AI that are trying to trick each other, and then they both learn from doing that. You've got um, kind of the deep learning mechanism, which is is being called into question, but has been the main force for that, and that's just brute force information. So they just, you just take something, you set it loose on on the internet. You know, and it just looks at hundreds of thousands of things and starts making choices based on that. Um, but then you have other people that are trying to say that, you know, that that's not the way humans learn. And so they're trying to program in um, intuition and empathy and, and things like that. On the robotic yeah. side of things, this has been happening since the Industrial Revolution, you know. So people were like, hey, I can I can make this thing. I'm a craftsman. And then somebody said, hey, if... Uh, if we lined up 40 people in this factory and had a big conveyor belt in the middle and everybody just did one thing, we would need craftsmen. So they started having the kind of the assembly line thing. And then people started saying, hey, you know what? I bet you I could replace that guy with a robotic arm. I don't, I don't need a person to hold that screw gun. I could replace that person. And so you've got automated cars. You've got automated war. We've got drones now where they're dropping bombs and things like this. So the, the future is definitely going to be automated. There's, there's, no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. That is happening. How that is going to play out um, is really interesting, and no one really knows. But there's a lot of uh, kind of doom and gloom out there, and there's a lot of people saying, you know, it's not as bad as you think. It's not like the robots are going to take over and there's going to be an apocalypse. Um, you know, but some very intelligent people are saying that you should worry less about Skynet you should worry more about global economic collapse from yeah. the workforce being automated and no one being able to earn any money because there's nothing left to build or make or create. Um, and so it's just kind of an interesting situation. We, we see ourselves kind yeah. of on the cusp of these robots being able to do um, very human things and humanity in a year, 10 years, 50 years, whenever it's going to be, is not going to be needed for a lot of the function um, that makes up the way that we earn our living and the way that we define ourselves as people. Um, you know, and that's not even touching, which I, I don't think we should get into. That's not even touching like cybernetics and, 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 you know, implants and, 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 you know, uh, whatever they're calling like next gen humanity, um, you yeah. know, or, or whatever. 
uh, that's that's a whole different topic. But so yeah. so why did since I just took four minutes of explaining it, why did you want to talk about this? Because I love this topic and I could talk about this topic all day long. But what is it? So, um, what is it that kind of fits in with the uh, the art check here? So I'm like I'm just starting this book called The War on Normal People by Andrew Yang, and it's just addressing things that are less kind of futuristic and dystopian and more just things within the next four years of a like horizon. And uh, so like it's, it's discussing things that are already in the works that um, and, and he's an entrepreneur that um, has helped other startups and stuff and knows a lot of people in Silicon Valley who are actually working on these things. And um, it's looking more and more like by, 2020 they're probably going to be introducing uh, this is you know from what i've read so far 20 by 2020 they should be introducing um uh, trucks that are mostly automated um and it'll be introduced in, on a level where it's like the trucker will get in the truck and do a little bit of piloting and then just kind of set it on autopilot and the the truck will do the majority of the work on its own on the interstate in uh, an interstate system where there's less um, components and variability, so it's easier to automate, um, and then maybe take the wheel once it gets into, like, a downtown area. Um, but then from there, it's actually going to phase out to people dialing into those trucks and then eventually just, um, you know, basically maybe one remote operator handling, like, 20 different trucks. Um, and, and this is something, like, within the new near future just with trucks – but it doesn't just st- st- uh, stop with trucks. It's like it's going to be affecting surgeons um, where basic surgery, especially surgical research um, and data, like uh, a, a computer is much better at analytics of like, you know, a billion different surgeries that have existed in the past and being able to analyze statistics and probability rates. And so a lot of that's going to be automated um, surgeons will at some point very soon be able to just like dial in and do surgeries all over the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, uh, you know, with law, um, oh, radiology is already happening. Like, I guess nobody is majoring in radiology anymore because um, it turns out our human eyes can't detect certain levels of gray that would detect tumors, which is the majority of what radiologists do. Um, and so, Radiology is going to be phased out by AI. Um, lawyers, like basic law that has to do with like filing and paperwork, is is going to be automated. <laughs> and so it's it, and these are all things within like four to five years, maybe ten years max, um, and, and until so, it starts so. affecting. It, it's all already affecting retail too. You know, yeah. um, retail like you can you can see this happening at like a, a local McDonald's. Just go to McDonald's and you'll notice like the majority of them are starting to replace registers um, with with tablet screens. And so it's like, it's not quite the dystopian future where it's a bunch of robots like attacking people. It's just systems that can replace basically medial work and not just medial work, but um, like really highly educated repetitive work. So a lot of it has to do with repetitive work that requires um, the same thing repeated over and over again. Um, in whatever field, white collar, blue collar. So, um, so the terminology that, that they use in um, in those circles is called pattern recognition. Exactly. And and so yeah. they they did a whole study on this where they they taught or they didn't teach it. They took AI and they're like, here's this game Breakout, the one with the bricks that has the little paddle at the bottom. 
And, yeah. and it was really interesting because they got super excited because the game figured out the rules itself and started playing and then started doing it, things that a human would do, intuitive things that a human would do where like you break a single column and then you throw the ball up to the top to let it bounce around. And so it was becoming more efficient and doing what, but the thing that's super interesting is that what it was doing was not actually learning the game. It was pattern recognition. And so, whereas you or I can sit down and look at that and go, Oh, okay, this is how this works and play that game. Here's, here's where, here's where it changed. They took the paddle and they moved it up several pixels which throws off the equation, right? It throws off the reactions. Okay. You and I would look at that and be like, Oh, okay. So the paddle, you know, I got to be a little quicker or whatever. The AI completely broke. And so it had, it had learned, it had learned a pattern, but it had not learned, um, like actually how, how it works. Um, so this, and this is really interesting. And this is where I think it kind of ties into kind of illustration and art and writing and things like that. Um, several years ago, I went to Adobe max and they have this yeah. thing called sneaks. And in sneaks, they show all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, yeah. And they said, okay, let me show you something. So they have this picture, uh, like a like a printout of a sphere. Um, and the idea was you needed to go in and you needed to color, you know, the core shadow, the reflected shadow, the highlight, the, you know, brighter midtone, the darker midtone, the cast shadow yeah. um, in whatever style you want. You could do it in ink. You could do it in crayon. You could do it, you know, with cross hatching. You could do it with feathering, whatever. Um, and then they took that and they just pointed their phone at it and took a picture of it. And then you can take any 3d model, any yeah. 3d model in any lighting environment. And it would apply that illustration style to that, to that situation. And, yeah. and it looked exactly like a hand-drawn illustration. Um, yeah. and so the interesting thing about it though was, so even like artistic technique you know, which is something that I think a lot of people focus on. Like, I'm going to get really good at technique, which yeah. is good. You should do that. That's part of what you should do. But that will also be automated. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, they have they have like DeepWorks Sensei, which is Adobe Sensei, which is this thing that watches ever since Adobe turned to cloud. It watches everything that you're doing, right? It watches everything you're doing. And it knows that people in Southern California, they like to design like this. And people in Canada like to design like this. And people in France like to design like this. And so you can take a folder full of assets and you can point Adobe Sensei at it and it will see your geography and it will give you the most likely design that you want. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And, um, like, to, to just kind of harp home on the reality of this, like, um, like Squatchy Inc is actually pointing out a big fear that's hit the tattooing, um, industry because there are, much like 3D printers, um, which he also mentions, um, there are machines that are being developed that can create automatic tattoos. So it's like you'd load up your design and you'd press a button and you'd have like a perfect tattoo. And I could recognize like it, it can stay in the sweet spot that like a tattoo artist would want where you're not quite digging too deep into the skin. You're not digging too light so that the tattoo will rub off. It's able to actually do that more like from, from what it's being spoken about more effectively than a person. And it's, it's a real fear in the, in the tattoo industry of that kind of coming because if that comes, it's going to put a lot of tattooists out of work. Um, you know, and that, that goes across the board. Like just speaking of Adobe max again, when we, when I went to Adobe max this last year, um, during the sneak section, 
<laughs> there were like multiple things. Uh, everybody's clapping, but then we're kind of looking around, and I could just see on the faces of everyone, like, "Oh man, we're going to be out of a job." Yeah. Um, because there were a lot of things that, like, for instance, in video editing, um, a lot of people get paid pretty good money to do this. Like, if you have a bad clip or something's filmed um, on a green screen, but there's a little too much shadow or something, um, the lighting wasn't perfect. So somebody has to go in and manually mask frames. And um, there, there's already some auto-framing um, and auto-masking, uh, you know, programs that you can implement. But at Adobe Max, they showed one where you literally, like, select the one thing, and then you select, like, like um, you know, 10 minutes into the, the film with, like, a moving object, like, where it's moved to, and you click a button, and it's perfectly masked. I mean, yeah. like, every frame. So That's insane. Of, it's like doing, uh, it's like doing uh, the – and this is several years ago because there's another whole industry, uh, you yeah. know – that used to meticulously, and you still need some of this, but meticulously mask out photos for catalog work and things like that and compositions and stuff like that. And now you've yeah. got like subject recognition, you've got background content aware fill, and now they're yeah. applying that technology, which used to be fairly time intensive on a still image to um, video, which is like multiple images, but it's like, it's yeah. basically like, live video content aware fill where you can be like, I don't want those footprints in the sand. So as he creates them, delete them and the video goes yeah. and does that for you. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, it reacts to live footage, which is, which is frightening. The other thing is like even animation, a lot of animations being automated so that, you know, like uh, they haven't perfected the technology yet, but so that as you're talking, like it perfectly syncs a mouth to a 3d model. Um, and, and these things, like are not fantasies. They're not far out realities. These are things that could be implemented like next year. Um, you know, like e even filters have gotten more sophisticated to where it's harder and harder to tell, like whether it's a filter or a drawing. And, um, and as these things, so, so as these things improve, I, I think we're going to have to kind of cap this like a little short and just <laughs> maybe make this a topic that we can, um, continue on for a long time because I think Corey and I are both really interested in it. Um, but like to me, what's fascinating um, that that um, that it is very difficult for a, a machine to do is like conceptual thinking. And so like a, a lot of um, where the future in art is 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 going to be, I, I think, resting on a few things. I mean, I think for one, there are certain foundations in art that no matter how great programs get um, will not change depending on the software. So that kind of frees you from the software trap because the software trap is a bad one. Um, Corey and I are both probably of the same age to where we knew some guys when we probably first got into art or entered professional careers who were like quark experts. And that was their thing. They were like the quark guy yeah. and they didn't adapt. They didn't know anything outside of quark. They didn't actually know the fundamentals of design outside of Quark. So when Quark changed to InDesign, um, you know, there were a lot of guys just out of a job who had a specialty in a software. And so um, the lesson from that, it, you know, the, there's a million versions of that. You know, there's Corel Draw. Like, there were a lot of guys who were great with Corel Draw. Fireworks. Never adapted, you know. Um, and, 
you know, left, we're left without a job. And so one of the ways to kind of have job security outside of software is to make sure you have foundations and that you stay adaptable. So that's, that's a key. Like don't, don't use, don't rely on these things. Use them as tools, not as crutches. Um, Cause that's going to, that's going to save you from when the crutch gets kicked out falling. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There, just, there are two main, there are two main things that I think everybody needs. Um, yeah. And without these things, um, even if the robots don't come and take over your job, uh, you're going to fail. Uh, one yeah. is you need to learn how to learn. And, and that seems like, well, I already know how to learn, but like, no, you really need to learn how to be able to pivot and figure things out quickly and adapt because like, yeah, maybe there is, you know, going to be, you know, this robotic tattoo gun that's going to come and take over, but initially it's going to be so expensive that it's still going to be more cost, cost effective to have human beings do it. But after that becomes like 3d printers. Now I can pick up a 3d printer for, you know, 300 bucks. Right. And, 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 there's huge differences between the $30,000 3D printer and the $300 3D printer, but still the prices are always going to come down. So price is only yeah. going to be a barrier for a little while, but the thing that will continue to, to, uh, you know, like help is once that's in your shop, can you learn how to use it? Can you learn how to optimize it? Because can you learn how to, to make it do new things? Can you, can you figure out, you know, can you become, um, you can become the guy or gal that that's like the, you know, premier expert on whatever cutting edge technology is out there. You can, right? Well, and, and then the second yeah. thing is learn how to think. And, and this yeah. is what, this is what you were talking about, Josh. This is super important. I think this is probably the key, um, to survival, um, for humanity and for individuals is that computers can't think they can, they can do pattern recognition. They can do data analysis. They can, um, you know, they can, they can kind of mirror, what they see happen, um, yeah. they can problem solve, but they can't think. And so thinking is super important. You were talking about concepting. And so yeah. like, for example, the technique that of, of inking or, or coloring or whatever it is, that can easily be mimicked by a computer. But the content that is created cannot be easily mimicked by a computer if that content is going to be coming from you know, thought processes. So are computers going to be able to write Hallmark movies? Probably, right? Minute 52, this happens or whatever. Formula. But like, yeah, there's a formula, there's a pattern. And, you know, you know, you switch out people's, you change the situation. I mean, throw in some kind of random number generators on a list of like whatever situation mm-hmm. is going to happen on whatever holiday. That's, that's not going to be, that's not going to be super hard. Yeah. Right. But like the thickness that the, that the, uh, potential like one of the main characters children has like just swap it out and (laughs) yeah exactly so then you then you uh then you take that situation and you say okay but like is a computer ever going to come up with birdman uh, or 300 or mouse or Mm -hmm. you know is a computer ever going to come up with the new and innovative things the retro things that are cast in a new light the thinking the stuff that involves humanity the stuff that has true empathy and real vulnerability those are things that are essential to humanity. And uh, at some point in time, it may get to the point where computers are able to simulate that. And honestly, at that point in time, that's the end of the human race. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, which I hope is hundreds or thousands of years off, if it ever comes, um, being able to be human um, and do things that robots can't is kind of where that sweet spot is. 
Yeah, and I, I think this ties into one of the primary reasons, like, I started using, like, mimic tan lettering, you know? Like, it, I'm not 100% traditional with it. I use a lot of digital in the in the initial stages, but I like my final thing to be a human line. And, and part of that is um, something to keep in mind about humanity that's also cool is humanity makes flaws, man. We yeah. screw up. Like, we, we make these little mistakes um and and it's interesting because even in recording a lot of recording artists um still use reel to reel and it's a fascinating thing because digitally you can get a really good quality but there's a there's a hum there's like a hiss to like a digital re a a non-digital reel like to an analog reel that you're not going to get um you know the same sound from like a digital thing you can mimic it it's kind of like applying a texture. Like you can apply a texture to a font, <clears throat> but there's something about kind of the um, uniqueness and the individuality of like if if I were to take like a typewritten, <laughs> you know, word and go outside and like let it sit in the rain and scuff it up, screw it up, and then scan it. Yeah. You know, something there's something about that that mark that makes it very human and relatable and kind of evergreen and so what i'm getting at as an artist is like for my own personal work i I tend to try to lean into um you know traditional stuff because i think that there's um there's a uniqueness to it and i think there's a uniqueness in the flaws and that's what i'm getting at so i think sometimes as artists we're so worried about our flaws we're trying to strive towards perfection um but i do think there's something unique about flaws that you're not going to see um, with like a filter, like sometimes filters are very effective, but they're like too effective. Like they look fake because of the, the lack of flaw, um, in them. And so there's something cold and kind of machine like about it, almost like a synthesizer trying to be an orchestra. And so it's, it's, um, it's an interesting thing. And it's, it's definitely one of those things I guess we could delve into forever. But, um, but I do think leaning into flaw is good. And I think, critical thinking is key because of the fact that a a computer um, like the kinds of jobs that we outsource right now, a lot of those jobs are going to be automated, you know? Um, And a lot of those jobs are very much like uh, rote learning kind of things. Like, you know, step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. Anything that's like that kind of system like a like a Photoshop tutorial, and then I type this word, and it's masked five pictures within the word, and then I can change the word. Um, and you you follow those ten steps on the tutorial, and wow, I've learned that same thing. You know, that kind of thing is going to become less and less, I think, special um, as it becomes more and more automated. But you know, the ability to critically think, to think on your feet, um, to kind of adjust, to adapt when that bring you back to your analogy, um, Corey, or, or actually your example, not analogy, um, of, of the game with like the, the paddle where you move the paddle up. Yeah. The nice thing about human beings is like when you move the paddle up, like we can actually have a point where we stop, we problem solve, like we, we, we kind of come up with solutions. We think outside of the box. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I do think that's something to lean into, and I think also just reapproaching our own philosophies as to like what gives us value is a good thing too. Um, you know, considering these things, 
the the thing I instantly think of with a tattooist is like, well, you might have a tattoo machine. I don't know if that's going to be able to replace like the the seasoned tattoo artist who's got a specialty and will freestyle a completely improvised tattoo on you. Um, uh, there's something there's something about that that's a lot more unique than the tattoo artist who you know, which I think a lot of tattoo artists want more of that kind of work. But I think right. a lot of the the main work is like. Hey, I've got this picture of a butterfly. Can you put this on my arm? You know, like, or can you put this on the small of my back as opposed to like going to a tattoo artist and being like, Hey, you're really amazing. Um, do your thing, you know, do, do your thing and, and like put some art on my arm, you know, like that, that's, that's two different approaches. And I think the guys who are kind of phoning it in and their only ability is to kind of take like a stock image and trace it onto somebody's arm I think those will be the first artists within that group to really suffer sure. because those are the guys, you know, I think it's equivalent to the quark guys, you know, where it's like, those are the guys who they have their system and they have their rigid way and they're really reliant on the tool rather than the brain behind the tool. Yeah. Um, and, and once the tool gets replaced, their, their job's going to be really tight. But I think for the guys who are, who are kind of outside of that, and are approaching it as artists, I think a lot of those guys will be very secure. Um, that's, that's my suspicion, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah. it's interesting because you're right at some point, even that might catch up, but I think that's a much further future than the one we can see right now happening, which is like most stuff that's rote learning is automated, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, and- Squatchy, who's a tattooist, said exactly they will fade out like a fart in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Pepper Pepper brought up a good point. He said that's why I started making my own watercolors, which is a super interesting thing because you have um, my my sister in law does watercolor and she buys watercolors from this lady in Colorado who makes her own watercolors. She's got like this sustainability model and this organic nature thing and all this stuff. <clears throat> and I mean, her kits sell for like 300 bucks a piece. And, uh, and there are people out there that are willing to pay for the stuff that is, that is unique and different. Um, and, and I think it's because of the value added. And so nobody else's colors are going to look like Pepper's colors because he's in, he's an imperfect person. You know, yeah. and and he's going to put his own he's going to put his own slant into it, and every batch he makes is going to be slightly different. And as he's doing that, he's going to learn and grow and adapt, and he will get to know those colors better than anybody who um, buys mass produced palettes. And so and so that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing that's going to happen. And I continue to think I continue to think that that's where the value is is anywhere where there's humanity, and you can you yeah. can replace the word humanity with vulnerability, authenticity, imperfection, um, you know, anything that isn't mass produced, anything that is made by hand, whatever you want to, whatever you want to switch that out for, that's where, that's where the value is. So let's, uh, any, any closing thoughts? Cause I'd like to, I'd like to keep going on this. Um, it'd be really interesting. I don't know if we want to hit different markets cause, um, now we've got, uh, people in the chat talking about how Pinterest is killing tattooing. Um, but also I think different, different things that we could do, because I think there's also like a whole conversation to have about how far ahead you should be. Cause I mean, if you're, if you're doing what you should be doing 200 years from now, but you're doing it now, 
it might be so advanced that it's not going to be successful, but then other yeah. people will look back at you and say, it's too bad that guy starved to death because, you know, he was doing the right thing that works today. But if you're yeah. doing what worked 20 years ago today, you know, you're probably going to be replacing. There's kind of a sweet spot. Anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things about this topic. I think you're right. This is this is a multi multi episode topic. Yeah, I mean, it could even extend to like marketing as well with you know social media because we you know we can get into like the guys who are MySpace giants who didn't really transition that well. <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, you know what I mean. Like, there's there's a million places we can take this topic, and I think it's I think it's kind of an important one because I think that this is an urgent issue and. Um, what I don't want us to be, I'm just going to bring that, bring us back to that example of the McDonald's that we're all seeing. I, I don't know if it's hit every state yet, but I know it's hit California. Um, so by my work, there's a McDonald's that, you know, I guiltily will eat at, like, when I forget my lunch, or, like, once every four months or something. And I, I remember being there when they were installing that machine, and all the cashiers were just elated and talking about how great it was going to be, how it was going to make their jobs easier. And I was sitting there quietly thinking, you guys aren't going to have jobs. Like you don't understand, like, like you don't understand what this means. Like that is not a good thing for you because it's literally, that is your job right there. And it's, and it's going to phase out. They're going to need less of you. And that's what that means. And, um, and I don't think they acknowledged or knew the signs, even though it was being installed right in front of their eyes. And so what I'm getting at is that Adobe Max thing is us. Like, right. And it is being installed right in front of our eyes. And so I don't want us to be the blind employees who's like, well, that's not going to affect our industry because it totally is. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, it's already affecting our industry. It's already kind of putting um, a lot of people out of work. Uh, you know, digital coloring put a lot of traditional colorists and cell shaders and stuff out of work. Um, and, and this will continue. Um and so there's ways and methods that you can approach it. And I think we're going to dip into that as a topic for a while. Cause I, I do think it's really fascinating. Plus this book's really fascinating. So hopefully I'll get some more insights as I, as I get further in it. But, um, Corey's always talking about this and, uh, he's always harping on the idea of doing things that robots can't. And, um, I think that maybe we'll just call these series like do things that robots can't uh, part one, two, three, four, yeah. however long it goes. <laughs> so if you guys have any interest in this, let us know in the chats um, or, or in the message, uh, leave, leave a comment. Um, so, so like if you have any regarding it, like it's something I'm just thinking about. I think we'll be thinking about it for a long time. Um, but let us know if there's any particular angle you'd like us to take. And really honestly, thanks to everybody who showed up in the chats because like, Dude, um, Squatchy, like you bringing up tattooing, I had completely until you brought it up, like forgotten that I've I just literally listened to a podcast like a week ago where a tattoo artist was talking about that the fear of that in their industry, and I wouldn't have even thought to bring it up. Um, so, like once again, your guys' contributions to our discussions are like awesome; they make them twenty times better. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, if you want to check out the podcast, go to coreycurcom slash forty eight hr. Um, you can always find my stuff at CoreyKerr.com, and I'll, uh, if you wanted to or um, you know, were slightly interested in jumping in on the sticker stint and haven't started yet, jump in. Even if you're a few days late, don't, don't beat yourself up. Just jump in and start doing it today because it's a cool group of people, and it's, 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 it's going to get big. 
and uh, and being involved in the ground floor, I feel like I feel like that's gonna be that's gonna be a big deal. So jump in on that because it's really rad. Um, if you want to check out Josh's stuff, go to quarterlystories.com and uh, make sure to follow him on Tapas, uh, which is a mobile app that you can download on Android and iOS. And uh, go subscribe to Quarterly Stories on there. Um, and uh, all that jazz. You guys rock, man. 